0: This is Phil Short and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Tiger
1: with scars!
0: Now it's yeah. score Hands off for Ravel. switches hands
1: and scores! Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of pro lacrosse. I'm Hunton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with Phil Shore, a sports reporter whose work has appeared in the Boston Globe, New England Lacrosse Journal, and uslacrossemagazine.com. He's also the author of the upcoming book, Major League Life, Why Major League Lacrosse Players, Coaches, and Fans Share a Passion for a League That Often Goes Overlooked. Phil, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing excellent. I'm excited to talk with you guys. I know we've exchanged messages on social media a lot. You guys have been doing a lot of cool stuff. So it's exciting to see your guys' faces and uh, chat with you. It's really cool. Thank you.
1: No, absolutely. We're excited to kind of officially meet you in person. Uh, Like you said, we've DM'd a few times and talked about the game offline a little bit. We'll be excited to talk a little bit more about your thoughts on the game right now, as well as your book. But before we get into the MLL a little bit, let's kind of talk about your own experience with lacrosse. How did you first get involved in the game?
0: So I grew up in Tom's River, New Jersey, known for Tom's Tom's River Little League baseball, Todd Frazier, uh, or a Little League World Series champion. And my freshman year of high school was the first year they had lacrosse in our district as a Mm -hmm. high school sport. And I played soccer and a bunch of me and a bunch of my friends from soccer are like, we don't really want to run track and we don't play baseball. Mm-hmm. This will be something fun to do together and just mm-hmm. stay active until soccer season comes around. So I, I had seen a game or two here and there. So I had an idea of what it looked like. Uh, I had never played it, but figured. It's a new sport in our school, so everybody probably was around the same level as me,
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and I uh, it was very hard to pick up at first. I remember, and I remember one day being at practice and and just being like, especially we had a lot of football players on the team, so I was like, I'm coming here. I'm not doing really well. I'm mm-hmm. running around and I'm getting hit really hard. Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? What am I doing? And then. <laughs> I think it was the very next game I got my first assist. And I was like, oh, okay. And I started picking it up. And as soon as you started picking it up, it became so addicting. Uh, and, and that's how I kind of stuck with it. It was uh, it got to be a lot of fun once I started learning it. Because mm-hmm. I think part of the problem, too, was just trying to get the program off the ground and get the varsity mm-hmm. program running. It was There wasn't as much uh, kind of focus on the newer kids. So, at first, it was a little daunting, but once I started getting the hang of it, it was really addicting. So, that's where it all started.
3: That's great. Yeah, and South Jersey lacrosse is really growing. Uh, I mean, you, you got Towns River, Shawnee. I played with a bunch of guys in college from Shawnee, Morristowns obviously, always stacked. So, uh, that, yeah, it's growing in South Jersey.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think when, uh, especially like our conference, when we started playing, it was CBA and Manasquan were like the only two schools that had had teams. They were really good. They had been playing for a while. Um, so you start playing those teams and you get shellacked by them. And then once you start getting a little better and competing, then you get to play a Shawnee or someone. And you're like, oh, they're even that much further ahead of us. Yeah. And that's not even uh, including the North Jersey team, especially the the parochial schools um, up north. Uh, it's it's definitely grown it's definitely grown it's fun to see
1: you know it's awesome i'm right now here in brick coming from you where where i'm with my future in-laws and um i know i i forget his name there's some kid from manisquan that just committed to syracuse uh that my uh my fiance's uncle knows so again like you said you know it's it's starting to you know really pick up in this area um and it's exciting, you know, kind of see the growth of it. Um, you know, I'm a, a New Jersey resident, I guess you could say. I'm not; I've only been here for two years, but you know, I'm enjoying it, and it's nice being close to the beach too. It must have been kind of nice having some good weather. I feel like when you you had lacrosse season.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, I remember it. The spring, the beginning of the season, was always kind of weird. I remember one game we played. Actually, we were playing at Brick Township, and uh, mm-hmm. it was hailing in the middle of the game, and you're like, <laughs> "What is going on? The like, <laughs> sun's out and it's hailing." But uh, yeah, as the season got on, it was really nice. Uh, And I remember the first game uh, we had in program history was against one of the other. There's three high schools in Tom's River, three public schools, three public and one Catholic. And our first game was against one of the other Tom's River schools. And we had like this big kind of like barbecue celebration of both programs starting. It was really cool. It was a lot of fun.
1: No, That's awesome. The the community aspect of lacrosse, I think, is always the best part of the sport. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that with the MLL. Uh, But you went on to Emerson College where you played lacrosse there as well. Uh, Talk to us about playing at Emerson as well as kind of finding that love for journalism.
0: So the love for journalism is how I wound up at Emerson. It was something that I always wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. I was, you know, I'd watch SportsCenter in the morning and write down all the stats in a notebook I don't know why, but I needed to know how many points Dale Ellis had uh, for the Nuggets that night. Um, I remember I had a, uh, I was in one of the gifted and talented classes and we had to do like a career, uh, a perspective career project. And I remember I taped a Dolphins jets game and I made like a highlight reel using the VCR, like cutting and editing mm-hmm. and doing voiceover <laughs> over it. So that was something I always wanted to do. I figured, I mean, every kid wants to play professional sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought I definitely would, for sure, because I really wanted to. But I also knew that those careers don't last very long. So I was like, okay, well, that'll keep me involved in sports.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was
0: something I always wanted to do. And that's why uh, Emerson was definitely on my horizon, because they have a great journalism school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then lacrosse was definitely a bonus, uh, you know, while... I joined late and I'm not the most gifted athletic player ever. So, um, but it was an opportunity to keep playing. I got to be an NCAA student athlete. uh, And it was really cool because when I got there, it was an immediate group of friends that I had Mm -hmm. because I am by nature, uh, it's kind of surprising for journalism, but I am very shy and kind of withdrawn. It takes a while for me to warm up to people. So, you know, going to school in this in the middle of Boston it does have uh, a little bit of daunting, uh, uh, daunting atmosphere to it. Um, but going and being on the lacrosse team and meeting the guys on the team before school even started, uh, you go into school with this built in group of friends, which is really awesome. And from there, it really grew. Um, you know, we, we were a very tight group for most of the time there, a lot of us, mm-hmm. because we did have so many hardships, too. Uh, a hardship, I use lightly, um, but adversity, certainly. Uh, our school, Emerson, was not known for sports,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and a lot of the professors didn't really value it. So, you know, a lot of professors gave you a hard time if you had to miss class for a game or something. Um, so it was trying to work around the schedule, and because of kind of the lack of... Desire of a lot of people at the school for sports, um, you know. Not only was it tough to get people to come to games and watch and everything, but you you felt kind of like an outsider, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of extra work to kind of find time to mix and match the classes. A- and a lot of people went to Emerson with their eye on their career and a dedication to that, which is awesome. But it mm-hmm. also meant a lot of people, even people that had played lacrosse before didn't really want to play so we also had a small team mm-hmm. i remember i remember one game uh we went and traveled and it was this, it was in the middle of the day it was in connecticut we were playing i think it was uh mitchell and mm-hmm. a lot of there was one class that we had several players in that a uh, professor wouldn't let them go towards uh-huh. the end of the year <laughs> and we went with nine players from the lacrosse team and three baseball players Wow, <laughs> that were, like, were just like from long island and had our baltimore and had thrown a stick and they're yeah. like all right well you have a physical on file we're gonna grab you just to get bodies." <laughs> and of the nine players six of us were freshmen so it was crazy and we wound up winning that game though so that was pretty that's awesome. even crazier <laughs> um but it was a lot of crazy stories like that that really helped us bond together and made it a lot of fun
3: what position did
0: you play so, I started off at midfield because um, when I started in high school, I had no idea what positions to play. I didn't know really what any of it entailed. And my coach was just like, hey, we always need more midfielders. So, you can be a midfielder. <laughs> so, I stuck with that. I played midfield, especially a lot of defensive midfield. I mean, with only, I think we had 16 guys my freshman year. So, you played both ways. Yeah, but you're going to play. It. I started off at midfield, but I am not. The most uh, fleet of foot, mm-hmm. uh, or with the most endurance. So my sophomore year and junior year, I played attack, and then we had a coaching change. My senior year, and at practice, I was exposed because he liked our new coach. liked the defense to press beyond the uh, beyond the cage, beyond GLE, <laughs>
2: and
0: I was very good sitting beyond behind GLE and kind of distributing or rolling the crease, but when there was a player on me, I struggled with my stick skills. So because I would played midfield, they were like, well, you've had experience on defense, and we don't have any poles, so here's a long pole, go play defense. <laughs> and it's actually the position I probably should have played at the very beginning my freshman year of high school. Uh, it came a lot more natural than everything else, but I played all over, I took some faceoffs but I wound up playing close defense uh, my senior year.
3: Nice. Everywhere but cage, right?
0: Everywhere but cage. <laughs> yeah. and, and that that includes I played crease attack, X attack, wing attack. I played face-off, defensive midi, uh, you know, wing defense, close defense. I went in at LSM when I needed to. Mm-hmm. Literally every facet of the game except for goalie. There we go. And I am very – very glad I did not try goal. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would be too. Adam is a goalie though, so that's yeah, the spot. <laughs> I appreciate. I, I I completely understand though. I, yeah, I, I, no, it's it's I'm, a
0: that is a challenging position. Um, you know, I I took some shots uh, playing defense. I took yeah, some wow. shots that hit me, but I can't imagine playing goalie like not that. I give yeah. credit to you guys. <laughs>
3: awesome so let's kind of transition from your playing days to when you started covering the game in particular uh the MLL so how did that come about and and you get in the ranks of covering the pros
0: sure yeah so like everything it kind of built um my junior year at Emerson uh 2000 and I guess it's 2010 I uh New England Lacrosse Journal the editor Chuck Jaffe um was looking to build up the writing staff for that magazine. And obviously he posted at Emerson, but he knew our coach, Mike Blanchard, uh, and was like, hey, I'm posting this at your school. Do you have any writers on your team? So he shared it with me. And so I was like, this is great. And I started off doing uh, a Q&A in the back of the magazine uh, for the monthly issue that I still do to this day. Mm-hmm. And covering the Boston Blazers of the NLL. Yeah. Uh, going to their games at the TD Garden and uh, doing that stuff for the web. So I started with that. Um, and then I did high school stuff for the Boston Globe. Uh, I had my own kind of online radio show slash podcast before podcasts were really cool yeah. from cross radio network called lacrosse lounge. Um, so I started doing these things and uh, I saw an opportunity with us lacrosse reached out to the editor and uh, he brought me on to start doing uh weekly notebooks. And once you start doing enough of those and, doing a good enough job they let you kind of do a little bit more so now we're at where especially during the season I usually have a feature midweek a notebook at the end doing some stuff for the magazine so it gradually grew as I as I got more experience
1: so and that was
0: 2012 uh, where I got on with uh, lacrosse magazine.
1: No, that's great. And you recently did the top 20 players in MLL history. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you go about ranking them? I personally think you did a phenomenal job ranking them. Might be a few, maybe i change, but you know, everyone's going to have differing opinions, but for the most part, I think you nailed it. Um, So what was your thought process though with how you ranked them? Uh, Did you look at statistics? Did you talk to people? I mean, what was your kind of your your process in it?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I was definitely nervous about uh, ranking people. Even though it was my idea that I pitched, I was definitely (laughs) nervous about it because, you know, everybody from the practice squad to the active roster to the Hall of Famers, everybody puts in so much work to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you want to be respectful of that. Um, And just because you're not in my top 20 doesn't mean you're not a great player. doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have you in their top 20. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that, uh, I've gotten some good responses from it pretty much. So that's been good. Um, So I pitched the idea because we were looking at just different content and this was before the start of the league uh, was suspended and everything, but Mm -hmm. with the 20th season, we wanted some content. And I was like, well, 20 is such a nice round number. That's a perfect number for a list. Mm -hmm. So let's do the top 20 players in league history. And uh, my editor was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then when I sat down to start it, I was like, Oh man, I might've bitten off more than I can chew here. (laughs) Um, so it started just making a list, the list of names, guys that, I mean, obviously John Grant Jr. was going to be on there. So you write his name down and then you just think of guys that you've, you've thought of at some point that could be in consideration. Mm-hmm. And from there, I, I did talk to some people. I uh, shot some emails, some DMs, some phone calls to some players past and presents, to some coaches, to some GMs, you know, people that have been involved in the league, just to try to, Make sure I wasn't missing people, especially you don't want it to be too recent. You didn't want to have that recency bias. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, you know, so I didn't actually get to see a guy like Connor Gill play. I started watching after oh, he kind of had, had made his time in the league. Uh, so you want to make sure that guys like that, uh, even if you don't include them, are considered.
2: Mm-hmm, uh, yep. Make sure you
0: have them on your list. So then once I had the list, of, uh, it was about – 45 to 50 guys that I wound up uh, finally being like, all right, this is good. Uh, Then you start looking at stats, MVPs, all star game appearances, championships, trying to get a whole kind of collective body.
2: Mm -hmm. I tried to think
0: of, I'm a big Bill Simmons fan, so I tried to think of how his book of basketball ranked and things that he considered, including even just what other people said about that person. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
0: So I tried Mm -hmm. to consider a lot of it. And then from there, it was ranking them, which was not easy. Because like you said, uh, that guys could have slid up and down. You know, I had Brian Spina, I think Brian Spalina at 17 uh, or 16, and he has the most championships in league history. I had him higher at one point. I had him lower. Uh, it was a lot of guys who were trying to jockey where they should be because that is difficult once you start uh, looking at some of their careers.
1: You know, and, for sure. Uh, for sure. Especially, you know, because you can, we could maybe come up with the same 20 list, but then rank them completely different. That's the other thing is not only are you coming up with, you know, top 20 of all time, but you're also coming up with, you know, where they rank. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of multiple ways to skin a cat, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, well, and it was so crazy, too, because, um, you know, Brian Spalina, seven championships. And when you think of guys that are like league icons, he pops in your head. mm mm-hmm. And then you look at Nikki Polanco, mm-hmm. who is kind of like his partner in crime. Yeah. Didn't oh, have as many there. championships, but he had more all-star appearances and more defensive player of the year awards. So it's like, okay, now you got to consider that. And a guy mm-hmm. like Tom Schreiber, who played five years in the league, really, if you don't include his last year where he was injured a lot, it was really more like it was closer to four. Yeah. Uh, but he had two MLL MVP awards. Mm-hmm. It was one of only like – uh, two or three guys that had two MVP awards. So you know his career is shorter, but the body of work is incredible. Yeah. Um, so it was it, it was a lot to play with.
3: Yeah. Speaking speaking of the shorter careers, but I mean, awesome careers at the same time. I was appreciative as a goalie that you had the cat, Greg Catrano, in the top ten. I think he needed to be there, so I was very much so appreciative of that.
0: Well, and and that was another one. You think of goalies in ML history. Brian Doherty comes to everybody's mind first. Yep. But you've got to give Cotrano credit for being the only goalie in league history to have a league MVP exactly. yeah. and a championship MVP. So yeah. while this awesome Doc is and won a lot of championships and you could flip them. Yeah. But to me, I, I, I had some weight in those MVPs that he had. Um, so I'd have to that agree. was one. And I wanted to give love to the defenseman too. So obviously I had Brody Merrill really high, but I think Lee mm-hmm. Zink was another guy that kind of, went under the radar for a long time. Yeah. Um, So I tried to give love to all positions. It's easy to be like this guy had 400, 500 points. He's awesome. Um, Yeah. A little bit harder to get those defensemen and goalies in there, but I tried to give love to everybody. Yeah. Yeah,
3: good job. Yeah, and if you were talking about Bill Simmons, if pro lacrosse, uh, whatever league it may be, is big enough where we can do a redraftables. Uh, from past drafts you know you know we've made it right we can start there so
0: that would be that would be super fun that would be awesome that would be cool
1: that sounds like a fun segment we'll have to do down the road for sure yeah. um going off of that though uh you mentioned a little bit the lacrosse lounge how did that come about and like do you have any interest in getting more back into the radio per se are you still like more the writer was that kind of you know like what i guess what do you enjoy more and and how did that come about
0: I I've always been a writer, or always kind of preferred that, uh, and that's when I went to school. Print was my my predominant my focus, mm-hmm. um, but I had written just for fun some MLL stuff that I posted. This was at the time where Bleacher Report anybody could post on Bleacher Report. Yeah, uh, so I had an account and I was posting stuff, and I just did a a, a, a couple MLL pieces for fun. And at the time, uh, in Lax, we trust Mercer and Jemmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was on that site and she reached out to me asking if I wanted to do the show and i thought it was something different because i had such a focus on print i was like well this could be different and fun and kind of round out my resume more give me some more skills uh so i took her up on that i did the show um she got me in contact with some of the pr people at the time to so i could get my guests and i had a, the first one i was so nervous uh, I was sort of nervous. I actually, I forgot to, it was, my first guest was uh, Billy Day, former Canons goalie and Canons mm-hmm. coach. Yep. And I I had never used the, the program before either that we worked it on. It's not, it's not as easy as Zoom, but I saw him in my waiting room and I forgot to actually, I didn't know I had to click on him to actually let him in. So I'm talking to him and like not getting anything back Oh and God. it turns out he wasn't even like, I hadn't even admitted him into the interview yet. So <laughs> I was nervous about that. And then, of course, I realized I never even started recording. So all the babbling I was doing on my own was not even recorded. <laughs> yeah. So after I got over those first one jitters, it got a lot of, a lot easier each time. Yeah, um, And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. The reason I stopped, big reason was I was starting to pick up a lot of odd freelancing, like a lot of stuff. I was starting to coach. I was um, also going back and taking some extra classes to get my teaching license. So I was doing a lot of stuff. And the show, I I was not bringing in any money for it. So I was like, okay, this one is a lot of work for not as much return of investment. It's fun. I enjoyed it. It was something different that did well around me and get me more acclimated to reaching out to people for these interviews and things. But at the time, it just wasn't giving me enough back to keep doing it with some of the other stuff I was doing. It. I thought about getting back into it. It would be kind of fun, um, but we'll have to see if that, if an opportunity arises and have the right amount of time. I guess I should have started with quarantine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you're you are such a good to, job.
0: I don't want to step on your toes either.
1: No, you're good. You're always welcome to hop on if you if you want to talk MLL. And uh, no, I, we appreciate that because we understand the grind. I mean, I can't tell you how many times me and Adam, we've luckily never had that issue where we haven't recorded, but there's always been times where we weren't sure and something's happened. I think the worst happened was one time we were recording uh, Commissioner Sakevich with the NLL. And luckily, like, I thought I had it all set up and I'm like, let me just put on my phone, like voice recorder real quick. And luckily I did that because the audio sounded like crap, but it, we, you could still understand them. But luckily I did that because the other ones sure enough did not come through. So, you know, th- things happen. We, we've been there before, you know, and so we always have redundancy. We have this zoom recording. I have something recording uh, as well on the side, just to, to make sure like if we do lose something for whatever reason, we're good, but zoom is pretty reliable. That's the way to do it. Even
0: when I go to games and uh, I I, I, probably did I should have done it but I didn't do it this year but a lot of times I'll have my voice recorder but then I'm like well if the voice recorder craps out in the middle of it let me have my phone going yeah, but I bought yeah. the voice recorder so I didn't have to use my phone anymore yeah, yeah. Um, I remember doing the show the thing that I was the worst at and I still struggle with now um, when you schedule something with a guest and something happens and the guest never calls it in mm-hmm. so then I'm just especially because it was live too so i I know you guys record it and then you know work Mm -hmm. on it and edit it and then put it up but mine was live and then eventually just would be available for download on itunes so i'm doing this live show with no guests and i'm talking to myself and i do not do well talking to myself (laughs) even now I, i teach middle school english and i've been during quarantine doing book talks uh just for the kids and Mm -hmm. when I'm staring at when I'm staring at the camera not talking to anybody but myself I always feel extra awkward Um, so that was something I struggled with and I wound up repeating myself a lot when that would happen it didn't happen that often but there were a couple times it happened and I'd be like all right I'm good and my show was like 40 minutes, and I'd be good for like 10 minutes, and then I just started repeating myself. It was really awkward.
1: Yeah, no, we, we ran into that a few times, not too much, because we sometimes do the uh, either the Instagram live interviews or we do our uh, YouTube live streams. And the YouTube live streams have been pretty good. Sometimes too, it helps. Like you know, it's always me and Adam, and maybe sometimes we'll have Dan on, so you at least can like bounce off each other. I remember the yeah. Instagram live though, we were like I was waiting and stalling, so Adam popped on um and finally you know our guest came on but you know sometimes you, you kind of i forget about like the live aspect if you don't have them on you know you just got to you know improvise and it can be difficult sometimes but yeah we definitely understand Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Parkside Cards. Parkside Cards is your go-to source for Major League Lacrosse trading cards. They have a variety of packs on their website, including a box set that comes with four tickets to an MLL game, and a Lyle Thompson signature pack that comes with a limited edition signed Lyle Thompson card. The best part is we've teamed up with Parkside Cards to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit parksidecards.com and use the code PLT to save 20% on your order today. Um, let's go into the book a little bit though. Tell us about how you came up with the idea for the book. Um, and then the process, you know, interviewing all these people that are going to be featured in it, you know, tell us a little bit about that process.
0: Yeah. So, uh, a, a book was something I've really wanted to do for a long time. And just because I thought it would be cool. It's a little bit of vanity to see your mm-hmm. name uh, on the cover of a book. Uh, but it was an idea that, uh, I always had to do a book and, I think it really got hammered home doing the weekly features for lacrosse magazine Mm -hmm. you know I I put a lot of work into them and they're good and they're well received but a lot of times you know they're really get a lot of attention that week and then the next week it's forgotten about so I wanted to do something with a little bit more staying power uh, something that I could eventually have kids and be like, hey, look at this. Look what I created. Look what I did. Uh, So that was something I'd always wanted to do it and Obviously, I've worked and covered Major League Lacrosse for a long time, and that was going to be my niche. And so I started thinking of different ideas. You know, you didn't want to – I didn't want to do just a book on one person because that person could write their own story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I Mm -hmm. wanted to do something – A little bit more wider focused, and and maybe something a little bit more that you know went beyond just here's this one person and you know they're really great at lacrosse. I wanted to do something that a lot of people can relate to. And as I was thinking of different ideas, I also was thinking about well, you know, there's only at the time there were nine teams.
2: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, you look at the NBA is over 30 teams, NFL, MLB, all these leagues are over 30 teams, and I thought. With nine teams, that's really manageable to go see each team once. Because mm-hmm. part of this, too, was I do a lot of work, uh, you know, from home, over the phone. I'm not, you know, I live in Virginia, but it's still like two hours to get the Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was in New Jersey, it was still a long drive to get to yeah. uh, Lizards games on Long Island. I didn't start till after the pride and the barrage were gone. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get in front of people too. A lot of people saw my work online. A lot of people interacted with me over social media and spoke to me on the phone and email, but we didn't have that face-to-face interaction. So I wanted to do that. So I was like, okay, well, I need to get to games to do that. And okay, well, if I'm going to nine games, I can do that in one season. So what is interesting or unique about each situation? And that's where I was like, okay, well, they all have different stories and different fans, different people that, for some reason, that team and that city and that location is special to them. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: And that's kind of where I started going off with the idea of, okay, this league, this team, this city, there's something special there. Um, And this was the idea was before the PLL came. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when the PLL was announced. We went from not, we lost uh, 100, over a hundred players from MLL into PLL. I say we, I just mean we as fans, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there was that split. And then we went to six teams and I was a little bummed, but at the same time, I was like, okay, well, six teams is even more manageable to get to in the summer. Mm-hmm. And those people that still support lacrosse, uh, their lacrosse teams, you know, obviously a guy like Jojo Drummer still is a huge Denver Outlaws fan, even though there is the PLL. Yeah. And those players that did decide to stay, because while over 100 players left for the PLL, there still were guys that had an option to go to the PLL and chose to stay with the ML team. Mm-hmm. So it was, okay, well, they were already sacrificing to be in this league, you know, with between the salary and the work schedule and everything. They already were sacrificing. And now there's something that, is getting a lot more buzz, a lot more attention, and possibly could lead to more money. Why did they stay in this one spot
2: that mm-hmm. they were in?
0: Why did they stay in this league and these fans? You know, uh, why are they? You know, we like to be a part of something bigger than us, and uh, a lot of things that are popular do that. We all want to be part of the conversation. Why are they so passionate about this thing that isn't uh, part of a lot of conversations happening mm-hmm. and have the water cooler or anything like that? So I thought that was a pretty neat angle, and I just I went to uh, you know went to every game, talked to some players, talked to some coaches, some executives, some fans uh, to try to get that you know that why. And uh, there were a lot of cool stories. Um, and I remember being a little nervous about it because there aren't really any lacrosse books, let alone books about major league lacrosse. So I was definitely aware that people were thought of thought I was going to be weird. I remember like being nervous to ask people because. I reached out to some authors of different books that I had read uh, of all sports and just kind of asked about their process. And um, it was Ian Thompson who wrote The Soul of Basketball, which was kind of about the year that the Mavs beat the Heat in the championship. Um, And I was asking him some questions, and one of the things he said is, you have to be honest to get the responses. You want the people that you interview to be honest with you, so you have to be honest up front with them. Because I was thinking, maybe I, it's going to sound weird. Maybe they'll think I'm weird to want to do a book. You know, They're always so good about doing interviews, but a book is just such a concept that we don't really see. They'll think I'm weird. So maybe if I just say I want to interview you and ask about you, and then I put it all on a project at the end, uh, you know, I can get away with that. But when I got that advice, to be honest with the people and upfront with the people that I'm interviewing like, all right, well, if they think I'm weird, they don't have to do the interview and I'll try and do something else. But when I told them about the book idea, a lot of people were like, wow, that's really cool. We don't have that. Like, I would definitely want to be a part of that. They were super supportive. And again, I got a lot of honest stories and it was, it was uh, really neat to do. Uh, I really appreciated all the help that I got. I really hope that uh, the stories that I share are ones that everybody's going to value and uh, find interesting.
1: No, that's great. Are there any uh, stories in particular uh, that you you want to share? I know we don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce, but uh, any, you know, any along your journey, like games, whether it was the location you went to and the fans were just, you know, really like passionate and you didn't expect that. Or, I mean, any, any stories from along the road?
0: Yeah. So two stories that you guys have actually, I've listened to the podcast. Uh, you had Kai Iwamoto on,
2: mm-hmm,
0: yep. um, from the Denver Outlaws and he was one of the guys that I one of the first people when I was thinking about what I wanted to do he was one of the first people that I was like oh he's a guy I definitely have to talk to I was actually a little nervous like I was like I hope he's on the team this year I would love to get that story of him coming from Japan uh, so I know you guys have talked to him he's a really cool guy and yep, really appreciative right. and his story is really special uh, and even talking to some people about him how they're just kind of you know uh, in awe. Uh, t- uh, John Cohen talks about um, the Outlaws GM and Dylan Ward, who was the starting bully for the Outlaws last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just such complimentary things to say about him. So uh, he was a guy whose story I thought was awesome. Uh, Bryce Wasserman, you guys have had on the pod. He was another one um, talking about how he asked to be released from the Outlaws in order to get an opportunity. And that was one of the cool things. Like, not only was he a rookie, he was one of the last picks drafted and here he is telling his team like, Hey, I know you guys are giving me a spot on the roster, but I'm not playing. Can you release me? Like that's a, that, the courage it takes to yeah. do that. Thinking like he's got no game film to go off of. He seems are midway through the season. Who's to say, they all passed on him in the draft already. Who's to say he's going to get picked up. So, and then being from Dallas uh, and getting to play with the Rattlers last year, I thought it was a cool story. Uh, another guy I mentioned earlier, JoJo War drummer. He's, he's a guy that we all see on social media. We see in the pictures. We see at the games. He's like a focal point. But I felt like his story wasn't really told um, by many people, or if anybody at all. I didn't find any, at least.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I thought he was a cool one to talk to. So those were some cool stories. Uh, going to Massachusetts, going to the Cannons games, uh to share, you know, a focal point there was – they have a lot of guys that were Canons fans um, when they were kids. You know, there's a lot of guys in the league that went to games, but not many that went to games of the team they're on.
2: Yeah, and To man. have at
0: the Cannons, Nick Morocco, James Fahey, and Marty Bose last year, all of them were kids that went to Canons games. That were, their goal was to play for the Cannons, not even mm-hmm. to play in MLL. It was like, I want to be a Cannon. Yeah,
2: so to man. have
0: that kind of link between – them as kids, now as players, and helping other kids try to follow that dream—those uh, were cool stories. And as far as games, um, I went to—I had to go to the July Fourth Denver-Allos game. Yeah, I'm going to go to one game. Yeah. If I'm going to go to one game for each team. I can't go to any game but the Fourth of July. <laughs> right, um, right. And that was crazy this year. I was—I was a little bummed because there were three weather delays throughout the game.
1: Yeah, which, uh, I remember staying up for that game. And it was just, it was, I, I'm like, okay, th- that's it. They're going to call it now. And they're like, nope, we're, we're back. And I'm like, okay, going. nope, they're going to call it now. No, and they never called it. You know, they just kept playing. Yeah. The fireworks yeah, after yeah. still.
0: Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. And it was, for me, sitting there in the, in, the, in the press box, I was bummed because if the weather was better, I mean, the announced attendance was 26,000 you know whether that's how many people were there how many people were there by the end of the game Mm -hmm. you know but I was like if the weather was nice it would have been an even bigger crowd you know people even walking up and being like oh it's a nice day let's go to a lacrosse game and see some fireworks Mm -hmm. it would have been a bigger crowd and without the weather delays probably I'm sure people left Um, so it would have been more people there longer but I was impressed with the people that did stay they were they were there the whole the whole game they were into it the whole time I mean it was ended like midnight around their time yeah.
1: Yeah. so you're there for
0: four or five hours it's a long time but they were still into it and they were really knowledgeable and passionate uh you know they knew when the right times to cheer were and everything it was uh, it was still really cool to see and, and just being in that size stadium for a lacrosse game was really neat um you know I went to walk I went to the walk here that morning just walking in through the tunnel, onto the field, seeing the Bronco up in the stands. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is really incredible atmosphere. Because, I mean, this is no offense, but going to the Blaze game, that was uh, I went to the Atlanta Blaze game before the, the Broncos game. And they were playing out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is, I mean, its it was cool being in Atlanta. I'd never been to Atlanta before, and there was a lot of cool things around. But the game was at a high school with, like, the concrete uh, stands. Yeah. It, it, it didn't look as cool. So then the next game, you're walking into an NFL stadium. You're like, this is pretty cool. And the Dallas, uh, the Dallas Stadium playing at the Star, that was really neat. Uh, really excellent facility for as awesome as the Broncos Stadium was, as awesome as an atmosphere and awe-inspiring it was. The Rattlers facility was really, really neat. Lighting and the way the stands were above the field, and walked in and just kind of the shops and restaurants around it. It was a really cool field, um, and uh, you know, I wish they would have gotten more time in Dallas because that was a that was a neat place to play.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Uh That the, the the star I think is it's kind of cool because it's you know it's not the actual Dallas Cowboy Stadium, but it's like it looks almost exactly like it and has that intimate atmosphere. Um, and then yeah. you mentioned obviously Mile High. That's got to be the most popular answer all the guests that we have on that play their give when we ask them their favorite venue, it's always, you know, a mile high. They're like, there's nothing like that, you know, being in a pro stadium atmosphere, but uh, no, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And for the Q and a for the New England lacrosse journal, that would, that's always a question I ask. what's your favorite visiting stadium and Denver for the pro players happened so many times. Yes, It was cool to experience that in person. Um, I'll tell you what uh, the cannons home field in Quincy, mm-hmm. uh, that, that the press box was tiny, we were a little crammed in there, but everything else was really it was really well done. You can tell they put work into it, and uh, especially the first game of the season last year against the Lizards, they really packed that place in. And they were those fans were pumped. They were there two hours be- before the game. I was I was so surprised because uh, when I was contact, you know, when I talking to the PR person about when to do the interviews you know sometimes I'd go to practice the night before sometimes I'd go to the walkthrough
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: that was the Boston game was June 1st I was still teaching so I couldn't get there that much early but I, t- I didn't have any days to take off at that point mm-hmm. of the year so I flew in Friday night I got in at like one in the morning I took <laughs> a, a really late uh, really late flight and uh, so and I didn't hear anything about walkthrough I don't know if, you know what the plans were for that. He was like, i just come, you know, gates open at two. And I was like, yeah, it right probably before four o'clock game." I was like, gates open at two. There's going to be nobody there. <laughs> and it was packed. Ah, they had a youth tournaments going on. Youth teams playing on the field. They had Joshua tree, which is a YouTube cover band plan. They had the rock climbing. They had the beer garden. There was so much going on. There were so many people. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, and it was fun cool. too, because And I mentioned this in the book at that point, you know, there had been so much bad news leading up to that season
2: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, with the folding of the teams. uh, A lot of people, you know, jumping on the PLL bandwagon. And I want to say this, I don't want people to get upset. The PLL is really cool.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: um, The level lacrosse is excellent. The, The presentation on NBC sports is really cool. Like I don't want people to think because I wrote about a book about MLL, I'm a PLL hater. Not the case.
1: Yeah, no, that's um, And that's but, on this podcast. We're always trying to, you know, we give everyone their due because we, we're pro lacrosse talk. We're all for professional exactly. lacrosse And as fans, we have never had it better than now, you know, having all these
0: leagues and stuff. Exactly. And I think one of the issues coming into last season's MLL season, which made me more pumped to even write my book, was there were a lot of people that were just like, oh, PLL's the thing. MLL is trash. Mm-hmm. Um And it was really, it was really degrading. And uh, I was disappointed for, uh, I mean, it didn't affect me too much, Mm -hmm. but I was disappointed for the players that were in MLL because just because they weren't in the league with Paul Rabel, you're going to say that they're not worthy of being a professional player. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of work that those guys take to get to those spots, uh, you know, some of them, just hadn't had an opportunity to shine because there were only so many spots. Mm-hmm. You know, now with PLL and MLL, instead of nine-team MLL league, we had 12 professional lacrosse teams, which was mm-hmm. more positions for players. So there was a lot of uh, negativity about MLL coming into the season last year. And to go to that first game in Boston, which was also, you know, PLL opened up at Gillette, not too far away. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so to have that, that group of fans be so excited and and to be so present that they came was like, all right, this was really cool. And this is going to be a fun journey. Um, and it was a, it was really a great start to the trip and uh, really was a lot of fun and set the tone the rest of the way.
1: And you have any thoughts uh, on the upcoming season at all? I know we haven't really heard much about it, but they are entering their 20th anniversary season. Um, you know, what are you, what excites you about this? You know, now they're returning to the Philadelphia market, Uh, They're returning as well to the uh, Connecticut market, which was one of the original teams with the barrage. And now it's a new team in the Hammerheads. So, um, you know, are you I I know we're not going to be able to attend any of these games, but um, how excited are you for this 20th anniversary season?
0: I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really cool. I hope that with a lot of people that have been inside are, you know, looking for sports to come back when Major League Lacrosse does come back, and that's the the news that we have, that they are going to come back for a season, uh, whatever it looks like. Uh, I really hope a lot of people give both leagues, and and especially MLL, uh, a viewing, a look. Uh, I think it's going to be super exciting. Uh, I am really excited to see the Barrage. They have so much, that organization has so much history, and talking to Spencer Ford about it a lot this offseason, Uh, Some of the things that he wants to do with that team and the way he's kind of orchestrated and put those pieces into place, I think they're going to be really interesting to watch. Because he, you know, it's a team, it's jerseys, it's colors, but they're not the same team that was from the past. But Spencer Ford has really put a lot of work into kind of trying to recreate that atmosphere around that team, that kind of mentality with that team. Uh, So I think that's going to be really cool to see. Uh, obviously I'm curious to see how the cannons do with Randy Stotts and Bryce Wasserman and Mark Cockerton yeah. all in the same attack line uh, yeah. you know my preview for lacrosse magazine I think Mark Hockerton's going to be a huge MVP candidate this year because not only is he a great player and a great scorer but Randy Stotts is an unbelievable passer. Yep. And Bryce Wasserman really does a lot of dodging. I think when you put a lot of focus on those two, not to mention having Brian Cole in midfield and Jalen Rogers, I think Cockerton's going to get a ton of looks that might not have been there before. So, and not that Will Sands Will Sands is also a fantastic passer, um, but Randy Stotts is going to get some different defensive coverage, I think. Yep. And it'll make Cockerton uh, you know, Really uh, get some opportunities. Connecticut, they had such a great run last year at the end of the year as the Rattlers.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think
0: they, they might pick up from there. I'd love to see what Sean Scannoni does as an encore. He had such a such a great story as a, as a rookie last year, undrafted and wound up being, you know, goalie of the year and an MVP candidate. So I'm really curious to see what he does uh, with Connecticut Obviously, New York is going to be interesting because they're going to have – they had a really tough year last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to need some new guys to step up, especially on offense uh, with the departures of Kevin Crowley, who they traded, Rob Pinnell going to PLL. Um, But Dylan Malloy is there. um, And they had some young guys really step up at the end of last season. Uh, Kearns was one that really stepped up. you know, I'm really curious to see how they start to put pieces together. Connor O'Hara is going to be a nice addition for them. Yep. Uh, it'll be cool to see how they bounce back. Chesapeake is loaded again. And yeah. Lyle yeah. was so fun to watch last year. I, that was with the top 20 players. I got some flack of not including Lyle. And I know you guys mentioned, like, he really hadn't played that many games all time before this season.
1: Exactly. Yeah, but, he might be the greatest uh, lacrosse player right now. Yeah. And maybe of all time eventually. But – you can't go – if you're going off strictly MLL, I mean, this was his first full season. I mean, he's even said, too, he was happy to play a full season yeah. and a phenomenal season. I mean, if you look at his statistics, you know, what he's done in the five years that he's played, and none of them have been full seasons except last year, is phenomenal. But, again, I still wouldn't – you can't put him in the top 20, in my opinion. That was – I know I was going back and forth with a few people and put it on that <laughs> You know, I, was- and
0: I got some hate for that, but not hate, but you know, I got some, I got criticized for that, but that was my argument was you know, the year before he played three games, yeah. Yeah. you know, between overlaps. And, and, you know, you want me to put him in over, uh, you know, a guy like Ryan Boyle who was like 19 or Matt Striebel who played, you know, yeah, 20 seasons. Like they had such a long body yeah. work, but watching Lyle play last year and getting a full season from him was incredible. Yeah. He was so fun to watch. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's just that we get, you know, more magic from him this year. Yep. I'm really looking forward to that. And Denver, you, you can – they lost a lot of guys this year, but you can never count them out. They're always fine pieces yeah. to fit. Yep. And, you know, John Cohen said it uh, earlier in the year in their press release when they talked about the team. You know, they're a little butter about, uh, <laughs> about how things ended last year. Yep. Uh, so they're going to be coming back with a vengeance. And when you've got guys like John Grant, Jr., Max Adler, and Mikey Schlosser, who not only are super talented, but are now kind of pissed mm-hmm. and want some revenge, I think it's going to be really fun to see what they put out. Uh, curious to see the goalie situation play out there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with shooter from Vermont, is super talented and you know they've got some other guys on that roster. Would love to see Kai get in the mix too. Yeah, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do there. But every team's got a got a really cool story. I didn't miss anything. I got Philly. I got New York. I got Connecticut. Yeah.
1: We uh, Yeah, that's everybody. I got, I got everybody. I want to make sure I didn't. Yeah, yeah, no. I want
0: to make sure everybody had a story. Uh, there's yeah. going to be a lot of cool stories. And, uh, whatever it looks like, I know we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's probably going to be closer to a sprint than a marathon. So to see these guys come out of the gates and have that pressure right away, I think it's going to make for some really interesting, fun, competitive lacrosse.
1: Absolutely. I know you you mentioned Adler. I've talked to him a little bit just because he wrote that piece on Courier and his Mm -hmm. greatness. And, yeah, they're they're still not happy about how that, that season ended uh, last, last year. Yeah. They're, they're ready to come back for vengeance. And like you said, De- Denver's been a dynasty for so long. You could probably write a book on that, honestly, Denver's uh, okay. dynasty.
0: <laughs> might be the next idea. I yeah, know. there you go. So, take that down in my notes. I've got some ideas of other uh, possible books, but we might have to add that one to the list.
1: For sure. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think they're going to be in a good spot. I know Adam's really excited to see his barrage back.
3: I know. I have to I, – I try and be – unbiased as I can right with with what we do but I'm I'm I was uh meeting Kyle Sweeney in middle school and uh and talking to Doc and all that kind of stuff so I I I've watched way too many barrage games on YouTube over the last few (laughs) years so I'm excited to be able to see him in person again hey
0: and that's totally cool I think that's one of the cool things about sports in general you know you go any kind of sports journalist Most of us get into it because we love sports and we already have favorite teams. Uh, It's a little easier for me. When I first started watching MLL, it was New Jersey Pride that I was into. And they don't exist anymore, so I don't have to worry about any allegiances. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about Bill Simmons. Yep. It's, he makes it known he's a fan of the boston team yep you still can enjoy what he does and he still gives informed opinions about everything mike wilbon is a huge chicago fan yep. tony is a new york fan like a lot of sports journalists especially the personalities we know who they root for and it doesn't yep. you know some people i guess get upset but for the most part you can still watch and be entertained and still not feel like they're you know just Saying that their team is the best, yeah, yeah. So you you go and enjoy those parades. <laughs> that's, that's totally okay.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, Phil, we really appreciate it. Uh, I want you to tell people where they can find the book and where they can order it um, when it comes out. So that way, you know, they if they want to pick up a copy, you can get it online, right? So tell people where they can find that mm-hmm.
0: book. Yeah. Absolutely. So Major League Life. Uh, that's the book. It's going to be available on Amazon in print and as an ebook. Um, so that will be the place to go uh, I think eventually some other outlets might have it but especially right now Amazon is going to be the place to go for that uh, print and ebook whichever you like uh, I know personally I love to have that hard copy in my hands but you know I know we're in a digital world and that's how people get their content so I wanted to make sure it was available for both uh, so Amazon Major League, uh, Major League Life by Phil Shore Gonna be where you find it. Find me on Twitter at PShore15. I'll do a lot of book promoting on there too. No, <laughs> um, but I, uh, even beyond that, I, I love talking lacrosse with anybody. So you know, you come in my mentions with uh, some fun lacrosse chat. I'm absolutely for it. Absolutely for it. Awesome. No, we really appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on.
2: Absolutely. Um, appreciate
0: awesome. the support. I'll even, uh, I'll be sending you guys uh, a little teaser from the book that you guys can put on the website. Yeah. That'll be really cool. And uh, you guys have been doing some really fun stuff. So thank you guys for letting me be a part of it. I know I'm no, uh, you know, I'm no Max Adler getting it right for your website. (laughs) You know, I'm no Bryce Wasserman that you get to talk to. I'm sure his numbers might be bigger than mine on these downloads, but I appreciate you letting me talk about the book and just having a lacrosse chat with you guys no uh, i mean, um, awesome i yeah. to join you guys on this anytime you guys want
1: no absolutely
0: it's awesome have chat. trouble scheduling a guest you, you bring me on All right, we will. I,
1: mean, I, I didn't know before we, we had you on about the cross lounge when i was doing my research i found that and i thought that was awesome. so we'll definitely have you on we were we would have you on anyway um but uh we really appreciate you coming on talking about the book again, you know, like you mentioned, the excerpt that's going to be on our website, guys, Uh, we will drop the link in our show notes as well when it is released. So when this episode comes out, might not be up on Amazon just yet. But uh, you know, just check our website, check Phil's social media periodically. um, And it will be up there eventually. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. It's always fun talking lacrosse, um, especially with all the history that the MLL does have, I think, you know, that gets lost a little bit. And I think what you're doing with you know touching on that with this book is really important and so we appreciate you telling your story on this podcast with us
0: yeah thank you guys it was a lot of fun
1: Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Parkside Cards. Parkside Cards is your go-to source for Major League Lacrosse trading cards. They have a variety of packs on their website, including a box set that comes with four tickets to an MLL game, and a Lyle Thompson signature pack that comes with a limited edition signed Lyle Thompson card. And the best part is we've teamed up with Parkside Cards to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit parksidecards.com and use the code PLT to save 20% on your order today.